the short term is actually a pretty powerful one when you have people who are W-2 earners because you can do a cost segregation analysis on that, use bonus depreciation and paper losses of that to offset your W-2 income. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Conscious investors, welcome back. It is Thursday, which means we are diving into a conversation with an investor. And you know, there's nothing better than learning from investors that are ahead of us, but not necessarily like light years beyond where we are. Because when we can see ourselves in their journey, we can start to see how possible it is. And it's like, okay, that's what I need to do. That's the next step. So incredible guest today was a little reluctant initially and then had a conversion moment. I'll let her share about that. But you know, as I was speaking with Christina on a call, just getting to know each other, I was like, oh my gosh, Christina, please, would you come share your story? The conscious investor needs to hear from you. And so Christina, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for coming here, for your willingness to share your passive investing journey and story so that we can raise other investors up. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show, Julie. I was really honored and taken aback, yes, a bit about the invite. I said, no way, total imposter syndrome saying, no, not ready for this. And then really with your generous invitation, it got me really excited actually to share our journey and where I'm at today with it and help hopefully just be a glimmer of inspiration for others out there. Okay, I know it's going to be far more than a glimmer just because you and I've spoken a couple of times. But you know, let me ask you this. Did you have anyone that helped show you the ropes? Well, the first person that comes to mind is actually my husband, my partner in crime. So my husband and I have been married for almost five years and he's a physician and sort of that classic has gone to school for so long worked really hard and was picking his head up a few years ago saying, well, how do I accelerate this? How do I accelerate our path to financial success and independence? And it's not going to be just by grinding day in, day out. And so he really just invested a lot in self-education and that got me inspired. And so we've been on this journey definitely together and are still on it, but I definitely give a lot of props to him for really start, sort of igniting that fire in both of us. I love that. And it seems in my experience with couples is that one catches the fire first. They kind of like, Hey, here it is. And it's contagious. It's like, right. did you have ever have any, any reluctance when he was first like, Oh my gosh, we need to try this and we need to start investing passively. And how did all of right. that conversation make you feel? And how did you reset? Right. Well, I guess I'll take you back about four years ago that he really started catching the bug and He's an avid podcast listener. And so he had a lot of driving time in the car with his work commute. And so he just listened to all these podcasts and then he'd send them to me and tell me about it. But at that time, I was just kind of in a different mental state. I was working my corporate job and you know, I, I was supportive of it, but I wasn't really investing the same amount of time in education. And then flip the switch now, two years ago, now I'm the one listening to all the podcasts and now we're sharing podcasts with each other to listen to and signed up for e-courses that we're taking and become our dinner conversations and everything. So obviously a healthy balance with it. But yeah, I think at first, not so much reluctance, just a more, oh, you know, I have other things going on that I'm investing in. And then, yeah, now I'm, I totally caught the bug. 
(laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty that you have. So what for you was that moment that kind of tipped you over the edge of, okay, I'm getting these podcasts. I might not be taking the time. I send a little emoji back. Thank you, smiley, whatever it is, right? A little kiss. Thank you. So what was that transition from being kind of a dabbler, like supportive, but not fully engaged to being completely immersed? Right. I think it's a function of both what's happened in my career and also personal life. So as I mentioned, I was working a corporate job. I was at a successful tech startup that I was working on the growth team and I was loving it. And then fast forward, I saw that company ended up IPOing and we had a great exit at that time, then transitioned to starting my own company saying, Hey, let me go do this myself. And starting your own company is really, really hard. And I realized that after doing that for two and a half years, that what is the path to really monetizing this? And I love the mission that I'm working on. I have a business that helps injured student athletes on the mental side of their recovery, something I can really personally relate to. But starting a business from scratch is really hard. There's no a lot of models with success for that specific type of business. And so as I thought about, okay, well, what's next for me? Do I continue with my business? Is there a way to move that to as a side hustle? And then my options would be either I go back to the corporate world or then I said, oh, but can I figure out this real estate investing thing actually instead? Because I'm now a mom. I have a one and a half year old and I'm pregnant with number two on the way due this summer. And as I think about just paths that I could take in my own career, unfortunately, corporate America isn't necessarily set up great for family life and some of the things we want to be able to do. But at the same time, I don't want to minimize my earning potential. And so as I've said it to some girlfriends, how do I have my cake and eat it too? I want to reach my maximum earning potential, but I also want time to spend with my family. So as I thought about that, it started just hearing more about stories of success of people who have taken on real estate and that's really afforded them the ability to have both of those things. And that got me really inspired to say, I need to go figure this out. The corporate stuff will be there if I decide to go back to it. But let me use this time now to try to really become a real estate investor and and take that on. Okay. I just want to affirm you, when you start a company, it's a heavy lift. It is ground up development at its finest. Mm -hmm. We just bought this raw land and now we have to entitle it. It entails so much more than most people realize. So I just want to affirm you that Yeah, it's a lot of work when you launch your own company, especially when you come from companies where, by the way, I'm being distracted by my guinea fowl outside squawking. It's our alert bird in the chicken flock. So I apologize, (laughs) conscious investor. (laughs) So if you can hear that squawk, that's what that is. It's a guinea fowl. All that to say, when you go into the corporate space and you're plugging and playing is what you're doing. And it's so easy to be like, oh, I could run a business. I mean, I'm really great at this. In fact, in the book, The E-Myth Revisited, he talks about that. It's like, oh, well, when you're a technician, when you are able to Mm -hmm. do something and you're really good at the skill, you can look at it and be like, I got this. I got this, y'all. Let's jump in. I'm starting my own business. And I'm not saying conscious investor. I'm not saying this is what Christina did. I'm saying this is what I find a lot of my coaching clients have gone down this path. And they're like, oh, wait, whoa. Okay, running a business and launching it and being successful with it is really... Mm-hmm. is consuming. So I want to honor and I just love that you're saying, okay, I can have my cake and eat it too. And I can have the family life and create the culture 
in my life that I want. So it's amazing because conscious investor, you hear it. It's like, you want that. You want to be able to choose the life you live and you're charting the path of your life. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's extraordinary and inspiring. Yeah. And it's a hard decision to make some context on this and why I feel passionate about it is just given sort of the way that I was brought up and sort of my educational path to date, which would tell me to stay on the corporate ladder. Grew up with definitely that rhetoric from my loving parents that work for a great company, stay at that company, do your retirement accounts and just work until you can retire at age 62, 65. That's not a very exciting path. And I also have pursued educational paths that also would set me up to that. I went to business school and that was saying, hey, go be a manager at a company or we'll train you to start a business. And so I feel like I've tried those different paths. I've tried working at a corporation, working at startups, now founding my own startup. And what is interesting is actually, even though my husband and I have combined 15 years of higher education, actually the formal education system talks very little about real estate investing and how it can be accessible to you as just an individual. And so that has gotten me really excited to explore it you know, more personally for our own family, but also maybe be a voice for this for other people who are grinding it out in the corporate world and saying, wow, I just really feel like this isn't going to accelerate my ability to get ahead. I love that. And, you know, breaking the traditional narratives, it takes strength. It takes willingness to see another path and explore it. So you guys invested. Tell us about (laughs) what you've invested in and what that has been like for you. Sure thing. So first we started dipping our toes in real estate syndication. So great way to say we're going to be LP limited partner investors in some syndicated real estate deals. And we started first with multifamily syndications with the thesis being, hey, it was a group that was taking class C, class B apartments, doing value add upgrades to drive drive up the value and then be able to refinance them and sell those off. So we started with those. And the way that we first heard about those were actually through podcasts. <laughs> so it was my husband found a podcast that was led by a physician who had become more actively involved in real estate. He could really connect to the message being a physician himself. And that actually built a ton of trust for us. And we got smarter, saw the deals that were being done and saw, wow, the projected returns of this is completely outpacing the stock market and what we could do there. So let's diversify our investments and start putting some money towards this. That's how we got started. And I think it's taught us a lot of just one, just how to be a passive investor, how to evaluate deals, how to evaluate operators. But really, you know, it's not much work once you do that and put the money in. So that's how we got started. All right. Tons of questions on this because I can hear the conscious investor curious and wondering, did you use any self-directed funds in your first investments? No, no, we didn't have to use self-directed funds. I know that's an option. We still wanted to have a presence and exposure to the stock market. So we kind of just kept that where it was. And then this was just net new capital that we could invest. Yeah. It's always interesting to see. I used to be on the one side of the spectrum where I'm like, oh my gosh, just go all real estate. And now I'm finally at the other side where I'm like, have a healthy balanced portfolio. 
right? And it's important to have a, some diversification within the portfolio, the investment portfolio specifically, right? And so, okay, you guys found this person. By the way, my husband and I did the same thing. I was binging out on podcasts and sharing them with my husband. He caught the bug also. And we developed a relationship. It felt that way with the host of the podcast and ended up passively investing in one of their deals. It's been a fantastic deal. And that's a great way when you find podcasts that you feel aligned with. And whatever podcast that is, make sure you pop onto that person's schedule. We barely didn't get... we barely missed a deal because we popped on the schedule and they were actually launching a deal that night. We didn't even know that. So it was like, we were able to get into this. It's been an amazing deal. And so making sure if you're feeling aligned with the podcast hosts that you are listening to or some of their guests, make sure that you are getting to know them, getting connected so that you can see the deals that they do have coming up. So you see this deal, you guys are listening to the podcast. Your husband's definitely resonating on the physician side of things. You're feeling comfortable. You're feeling familiar. I mean, you have business savvy behind you. How did that help you in vetting that deal? Like, what was that process like on that first deal? Like making sure, okay, no, we know like this is going to be a good deal. Or was it more like, we're pretty sure. And we really just trust this person a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe somewhere in between. (laughs) I mean, I think there's always, there is a leap of faith, especially with the first deal that you are doing. And when you're still in education mode, but at some point you have to take action. And so I think we just decide for the first one that we do, well, let's decide a certain amount that if it doesn't go well, we're okay with it. At least we tried something by getting into real estate investing as LPs. So I think there was that mindset. And then, you know, there's definitely pro formas. There were webinars that the group did before they Mm -hmm. launched the deal. And it helped seeing that the GPs are putting in their own capital as well. But honestly, you can look at the numbers, you scrutinize it, you can understand the business model and believe all that. But there is always a leap of faith. But it kind of was like, well, what else do we do? What? Just because we're scared, we just stay invested in our 401k and the stock market and ETFs. I mean, that's not really going to accelerate this and allow us to get to our goals faster. So yeah, I think it was a little bit of a calculation around risk tolerance and believing that it was worth it to try this. And then we kept on doing it. (laughs) So we did it once and then we did it a second time, third time. We have done over a dozen at this point and still learning. I think some learnings, we liked the deals were invested in markets that are fast growing. Phoenix, Dallas market, strong job growth. Again, multifamily. So people always need a place to live. But I think that there's something smart about diversifying the operators that you're working with, especially early on, so that you can learn different styles, right? So that it's part of your education that you're paying for. So one, so that you can just diversify exposure of market asset type. Like one of the deals we did was actually a self-storage deal, which performed the best. And we knew nothing about self-storage prior to that. And just seeing different ways of structuring deals. So some of them are structured to have more ongoing cash flow distributions, other ones hold that cash flow and it's more about the refinance down the line. So I think that just that has been really helpful for us to get those different styles so that when you go to do the next one, again, you're learning from that and you know more going into it and what you're looking for. 
Mm, I really love that. And I love being diversified. I always say my investment company, Three Keys Investments is geographically diversified. So we don't just double down in any single market. And it's an interesting concept that to just have that portfolio spread in different states, it just offers our investors an opportunity to not necessarily be negatively impacted should anything go wrong in any. (laughs) I mean, you went to school in Silicon Valley, if I recall correctly, like I remember the dot-com crash and it's just, it imploded. That left a very, it just etched in my mind what an area that is kind of based on a single economic structure, one business model that's really like prolific. And it's like, okay, no, we got to be diversified. We got to have something. If something gets taken offline, if one industry is taken offline, we've got other industries that are going to support this. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And that's definitely alerting. I mean, again, no one would have, we started investing these in 2020, no one would have predicted COVID. And actually, for the most part, the deals have been weathered the storm on that. But now with the spiking interest rates, some of these were structured with floating variable rates. And so what's happening with the in the syndication landscape, you know this better than me, is that now as these these loans are maturing, it's a question of, you know, can you continue to keep up with the higher interest payments and still be able to generate cash flow and and a positive return? Again, no one would have predicted that per se. Some maybe locked in uh, fixed interest rates, some didn't. And that's where I think the lesson for us is, again, like being somewhat diversified because you just don't know what the future holds. And you can diversify by geography, by deal structure, by asset type. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. It's still with all within the pool of syndicated real estate funds, but it's exposure against a different risk that can happen. Mm, I love that clarification also. Is there anything as you are looking at as a passive investor, this is honestly, as an active investor, this is on my care. This is selfish, conscious investor. I'm throwing myself under the bus. Selfish, curious <laughs> question. Is there anything as you're looking at that, the landscape as a passive investor that you're going to be looking for in your future deals? Well, definitely paying attention more to variable interest rate structures versus yeah. fixed. Again, I still really like multifamily because I think through this time, maybe while housing prices debatably are stagnant or maybe like dip a little bit, apartment rental demand is still high and rents are still going up for people. So I think what really has transitioned for us is just being excited about getting more actively involved. We have a decent portfolio now of passive investments in real estate and still keeping that up. I think it's really nice to have a balance of both, but there's this itch we want to scratch around. What does it look like to be on the active side? There certainly are tax benefits you do get also by being an LP, but there's even more if you can figure out the active side. And then you're also more in control. So that's one learning as well. For better, for worse, with control comes more responsibility. But I think my husband and I together are just excited about trying something where we control our destiny a bit more than on the LP side and round portfolio, if you will, in that way. So that's something very current that we are exploring that exploring and trying to take on. My husband and I began as limited partners as well. And it's neat when you see that progression. And I feel like it's a very healthy place to begin as a limited partner who then gets that experience, gains that understanding, and then goes into the active space because you understand the mechanics on the limited partner side. 
And now you, and you're also learning, okay, how does this business structure work? What's the flow? And you're getting involved in this capacity. And then especially with your business background for us, we do have a real estate background. And so it's just like that natural flow into that active side is beautiful. Now, Conscious Investor, I've spoken to a few of you specifically out there where you're in a really cool position because Christina mentioned the tax benefits are even better if you're on the active side. And you're totally right. It's infinitely better if you're on the active side, particularly if you are a couple where one spouse is working as a physician or in a position with a W-2 job. If you have another spouse that is staying at home and there are stay-at-home moms and there are stay-at-home dads and Whoever's staying at home, if you have, and I am not a CPA, I always have to say this disclaimer, I'm not a CPA and I'm not giving you advice. I'm just giving an idea to think about and consider. But whoever's staying at home, if you guys have your own rental, small rental that is owned, managed, and operated by that person that is staying at home, right? Just running the house, which is a big job. That person can be the full-time real estate professional. And so now you can be a quote, active investor. And so there are a lot of ways where you can be an active real estate professional and meet that requirement so that you can dip into all of the beauty of these tax benefits and utilize those amongst your passive investments as well. You simply cannot rent that or lease that unit or units out to friends and family and such. It definitely has to be like arm's length away. It can't be like, cool, let's buy this little studio and rent it out to Aunt Sue. It just doesn't work like that. So, but it's an interesting workaround. So if you're listening and you're kind of looking for how can we maximize someone now, Christina, I mean, you're building a business. There are other people like you're staying at home and you're staying at home and you are building your home life, right? So this is a way where you can actually contribute in a substantial way and it won't totally suck your time away at the same time. Yeah, definitely. That I think maybe was another thing that really prompted me to say, let me go figure this out. For a while, my husband's been wooing me to become a real estate professional <laughs> officially. But the bar for that, to qualify for that is is quite high. And I don't want to give up on the business that I'm running, my startup. And so the next thing that we realized is around short-term rentals and how that actually doesn't have the same bar as long-term rentals for hitting for the ability to use the tax deduction. And so that's something that we really, over the past few months, have gotten smarter on, worked with our CPA on. And I don't believe that the tax tail should ever wag the dog. But I do think that being more strategic around taxes and having intentionally planning your tax strategy is something that you should do. And the investment itself still needs to make sense and be sound. But the short-term, if you want to call it short-term rental tax loophole, is actually a pretty powerful one when you have people who are W-2 earners because you can do a cost segregation analysis on that, use bonus depreciation, and use the paper losses of that to offset your W-2 income. And there's very few things that actually allow you to do that unless you're a real estate professional, or I think there's some like oil and gas investments you can make that might qualify. But this is the next thing that in terms of getting into the active space, this is something that my 
husband and I both felt was exciting to us, accessible to us, doable in one year. And let's just start with that. So right now we actually are under contract with our first, what we plan as a short-term rental. It also win-win gets to serve as a second home, vacation home for our family, which is something we've always dreamed about, but thought we'd have to wait a bit longer to actually do. So yeah, it really feels like we're acting on this presently and trying to figure it out. There's a whole world when it comes to short-term rentals and very excited to dip our toes into that and hopefully have this be not just the first one we do, first and last, but hopefully just the first of many. That is really exciting. I have several friends that are deep in the trenches, writing books and doing all sorts of cool things in the STR space. And mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's fun watching how many opportunities there are in real estate to you whet your appetite with one. And I personally, this is maybe a poor analogy. So apologize. No, I'm not going to apologize about it. You know, conscious investor, I just say some random things, but I hear that when you get a tattoo, it becomes a little addictive and you end up getting lots of tattoos. And so I think real estate investing is a lot like that. (laughs) That's such a funny analogy. It's like you get into one asset class or you get into one investment and it's like, Ooh, wait, let's do that again. Oh, wait, we could actually go into self-storage. Oh, wait, we could go into senior living. Mm -hmm. Ooh, wow. Short-term rentals. Like, the sky is the limit. There are so many different options. So once you enter into the real estate investing space, it's like, oh my gosh, I can look at this whole new world that's available to us. Yeah. And I do want to honor the fact that that does make your head spin. I mean, over the past year, it's been, okay, how do we answer that question? What should be the path forward to becoming actively involved? What asset class should we go into? And it definitely has made our heads spin. There's some people who say you should get started with flipping houses or buying a duplex, a fourplex and working your way up from that to make sure you get the experience. There are a lot of success stories on that. And it's definitely, but it's a slow grind initially. And then there's some people who say you can jump right to doing the 20 plus unit apartment buildings to doing the 100 plus apartment buildings and building a fund. And I think there is success on that too. I think you just have to know what you're comfortable with as well. And for myself, I really want to lead authentically. And if I'm going to be in a position of actually bringing in outside capital, I really want to know what I'm doing and really be able to dot my I's and cross my T's on everything and speak with credibility around that. That's really important to me. And so jumping right to that didn't feel right. So again, we found the short-term rental space was something that I could buy it off right away, acquire, manage it ourselves, and hopefully scale that up from an operations perspective. That's a really, really exciting. And I just want to honor that I believe in I, you and I've spoken like, you know, that's I mean, like heart and soul, like be authentic in the investors. Anytime you're bringing in outside capital, your level of responsibility is more than 10x because they are trusting you to be their voice. Limited partners have no voting rights and they are trusting those active investors, whatever company they're investing with, to really advocate and protect and grow what they have entrusted. So it is, it's a substantial responsibility. And and unfortunately, not everyone takes it to heart like that. There are people out there that are just excited and I love to be excited also, but it's important to be grounded, to be authentic and to be sober-minded about, oh my gosh, we're bringing these people in and we need to make sure that we perform and Mm -hmm. give them what we 
were aiming for when we told them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. And so we wanted to buy it off something that was more just, again, using our own personal funds. And meanwhile, I'm right now looking to hopefully intern on the side with a few very successful operators in our local market and really learn the craft and the trade from them. So I really believe in that model of learning from people who are more experienced, wiser in a certain space. And so that's where I'm spending my time on the side to do some projects. And that does that lead to a full-time role? Does that lead to more ongoing work? I don't know the answer to that at this point. But right now, the education, the hands-on education in and of itself and the relationship building, I think will be, you know, totally worth it. And there's really no other way to get that experience, right? You can listen to podcasts, you can do e-courses, but working hand in hand and helping support a successful operator and real estate investor is the other path that you can go down. And so that's while I'm doing the short-term rental and getting that up and running, I'm also looking to do some projects with some successful local real estate investors here. That's really exciting. Christina, I have one last question is we have to start wrapping things up. I know if I were listening to this podcast episode, I'd say like, wow, it seems so easy for you and your husband to communicate on this and to do this. Have there ever been any challenges where one of you is like, yes, I want to invest. No, I don't want to invest. Or we should go this way. No, we should go that way. Have you guys had to reconcile any of those, like maybe wanting to fork off and go different ways with the investing within (laughs) the real estate space? And if so, Mm -hmm. how did you guys navigate that? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely your team, your partnership in and of itself. I think communication and shared values are really important. And maybe I felt that way about some of his Bitcoin investing, but but actually in the real estate stuff, we've, we've really been aligned with it. But I think this next chapter of wherever this more active journey goes, or again, also pursuing passive deals. I think it's just, we're good about being aligned financially. And then that shares with our values too. You know, every quarter we sit down and sort of track our finances and see how we're doing with that. I think it's the communication, but we're lucky. We both don't really like to spend money and we want to have funds so that we can invest in family time and quality experiences. We're not really people who spend a lot on just excessive stuff. So I don't know if it, that helps. But yeah, I think it's going to be continue to be a journey for us and would love to keep an open communication on that. I think that's the number one thing. Mm, I love that. Communication is always foundational. I absolutely love that. So if a conscious investor is resonating with you and they're like, wow, I'd love to talk with you, Christina, is there a way they can reach out and connect up with you? Definitely. No, I, at this point, I don't have any Instagram handle or Twitter for the real estate side of my life. But for now, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. If you just Google my name with LinkedIn, Christina Vandenberg, LinkedIn, I should pop up and feel free to shoot me a message and we can connect from there. I, again, was very humbled by your invite to come on your podcast. And I think it's prompting me to say, how do I do more things like this and be a resource for others, which is something that personally just would really bring a lot of joy and satisfaction to help others along this journey. 
Mm, absolutely. I mean, the best way we can grow is just by hearing the stories, experiences of people who have done what we want to do. So I just want to thank you again for stepping into this zone and hopping onto a podcast and just serving the conscious investor so powerfully. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Julie. Conscious investor. Ding. You get all this like amazing information and I'm always grateful for every guest that we have on the show. So if you are grateful also, please make sure you share the episode with someone that you know would benefit from it. You might not even know confidently, but you might believe they will benefit from it. And also make sure you leave an honest rating and review because that helps the show reach other people people, those algorithms and all of that, they just are what they are. So if this is resonating with you, it's free for you to listen and it would support the episode and the podcast powerfully just by sharing and leaving a rating or review. Until next time, Conscious Investor, live big, love bigger and do great things. What's the big deal about investing in apartments? Why is it better than investing in a slew of single family homes? I've compiled a lot of information on why investing in a multifamily, also known as apartments, will help you reach your investment goals. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download the Why Invest in Multifamily guide today.